Our reading this evening is from 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 28. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not been yet has not been not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are, and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Thank you so much, Dave and Jan, uh, for doing that for us this evening. Well, do keep, if you have a Bible open in front of you, do keep uh, that open as we explore that passage together. But I wonder uh, whether you've ever had the chance to look at photos, uh, old family photos, looking at, at photos from old family members uh, from years ago, or maybe even centuries ago. Uh, and maybe as you've looked through those photos, you've spotted similarities to yourself or to maybe other family members. And maybe it's not just the appearance that can be similar, but maybe also uh, you see the same mannerisms uh, coming through that pass down from each uh, generation. I'm sure maybe we might be looking around the room right now, glancing at each other and knowing exactly uh, what those mannerisms are. You see, there are loads of ways, aren't there, where you can tell about who's related to who and whose family we belong to. And, you know, in our passage this evening, John is going to bring us some incredible news about family and how, in a spiritual sense, we can discern, we can tell just like appearances and mannerisms, at what family we belong to. And now if you've been with us over these past couple of weeks, uh, we'll have heard and we'll have seen as we've been going through 1 John, that the reason that he's writing this letter that we're reading tonight is that, well, John is concerned about some things that are going on in this church. There seem to be those uh, that are teaching the wrong things, that are leading the people astray. As we see in our passage in verse 7, they're leading this church astray. 
And John, he writes this letter that we're reading tonight, urging these Christians uh, to not believe uh, those that are teaching something different. He's really stressing it to this church. And the reason that John is, is so worried about it is because it's not a true message. And John reminds this church that the message that was already told them, well, that's a reliable message. In fact, if we look at the start of 1 John, John says, you know, this is a message that we have heard. We have touched this with our own hands. We have seen it with our own eyes. Our message is a reliable message. It's a true message. And ultimately, John shows us in his letter that it's a message all about and all centered on knowing and trusting the Lord Jesus. And that's what John points us to right at the start of our passage this evening. You see, he's so keen to stress it to this church. He says right at the start of our passage, continue in him, in Jesus John says, keep trusting in Jesus, keep loving Jesus, keep following and walking with him day by day. Don't let your eyes be distracted by other things. Keep your eyes, keep continuing in Jesus. And John has been stressing that right the way through his book. And tonight he's going to do exactly the same. He's going to show us that Jesus offers us more than we could ever ask or imagine. And he gives us all that we need. And he gives us something incredible, as we'll see tonight. So as we go through our passage, I've just got two very short points for us. The first one is who we are, who we are. And that's looking at chapter three, verses one to three. You see, at the beginning of this section, we see that John, he gives us an invitation Uh, John says, he says, see what great love the father has lavished upon us. Uh, You know, if we were living in an ancient Greek seaport at the time that John was writing this, you know, we'd have been going around our business and uh, there would have have been a time where a boat was coming into the harbour. There would have been rumours going around that, that a boat was coming and so we would have gathered round by the, the harbour, looking at this boat that is about to dock. And we would have heard people saying, Portopen, uh, Portopen, which means, uh, where is it from? And uh, people would be looking at this boat and wondering where, what land it's come from, what people are on that boat, what kind of things will they be bringing uh, for us to learn from and us to experience. At uh, Portopen, they would have been saying, And, you know, that's the same phrase that John uses here at the start of our passage. He says, portapen, see, explore. And John wants us to explore and search out, not a boat, uh, not something that's come from a distant land, but rather to explore and to search out just how much God loves us. Isn't that amazing? John John says, "Just, just search it out explore it, spend time and energy delving into and marveling at how much God loves you and how God has lavished, he's, how he's poured out his love on us. And, you know, that aspect that John wants us to focus on, he kind of narrows it down. He focuses on a particular aspect of God's love. And he says, look at how God has lavished his love upon us in the fact 
verse one, if you look with me, that we should be called children of God. And John immediately says afterwards, he says, and that is what we are. He's always exclaiming, he's saying, he's saying, yep, you didn't misunderstand me. That is what we are. I didn't hesitate. I didn't mispronounce anything. We are children of God. And do you know this evening, we are looking at one of the greatest aspects of the Christian message. You know, I love what um, a famous preacher called J.I. Packer in his amazing book, Knowing God, had to say about this. Uh, He said this. He said, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child of having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that's distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish, is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father, he says, is the Christian name for God. Our understanding of Christianity cannot be better than our grasp of adoption. Aren't they amazing words? I so encouraged when I read that. And, you know, Packer sees what John sees in our passage that being called children of God is one of the greatest truths of the Christian message. And it's a massive demonstration of God's love demonstrated towards us. People like me that have totally turned their backs on God, you know, at times lived like God was dead, like he wasn't there. And now, John says, because of Jesus, because of knowing him, I can be called God's very child this evening. How amazing is that? And, you know, because it's, a, because it's, a, it's such an incredible truth, it's, it's amazing because it implies so many different things, doesn't it? Do you know, it's a relationship term, isn't it? God loves us as a father loves a child. God cares and he, and he watches over each of our lives. And yet also like children... It points us to the fact that we receive an inheritance. And that's what John shows us in verse two. Uh, Look with me. John says, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But what we know, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Do you know, John again points us to the inheritance that all of God's children have to look forward to. That day when when Christ comes and we see him face to face, when we'll be made like him. It says we will have a a body like his that that can never perish. A body that that wouldn't be incapable of, of catching coronavirus. A body that will be incapable of sinning. A body that will finally be in the presence of our king. You know, I was thinking about this this week. And, you know, one of the aspects of lockdown that is so hard is that we're separated from people, isn't it? 
and, and presence means so much, doesn't it? Being in someone's presence. And, and John says, well, there will be a day when our longing to be in God's presence will be met. I like that day when it will come hopefully soon in lockdown when it will be lifted. Uh, John says there will be a time where we will be as God's children in God's presence. We will see him face to face. We will worship him forever and ever and ever. The best is yet to come. And that is an understatement for the Christian tonight. Do you know, we are children of God with an eternal and glorious inheritance. And John says, continue in Jesus, continue in him, continue to love and to cherish what we have in knowing him. Do you know, maybe this evening we listen to this and and we would love to know this inheritance. We would love to be called and know being a child of God with this inheritance to come that we will meet with him face to face. Well, do you know this evening, like John would want to point us to, He points us to Jesus and he says, if we want that, if we want to know the certainty of that inheritance, well, we are to know and we are to trust in the Lord Jesus and we're to continue in him. But, you know, John, this evening, this first point, he calls us to explore just like a boat that would be arriving in harbour, that would be bringing new things to discover and to learn. Uh, John says to cherish the fact that we are children of God this evening. You know, I love that, that John, I don't think he got bored of this fact. Uh, J.I. Packer, after many years of living the Christian life, uh, he never got bored of the simple fact that he was a child of God. Uh, and, you know, I love what a lady uh, called Harriet Buell uh, said when she was walking home from church one day and she was, she was worshipping, she was just processing this whole fact of being one of God's children. And she said these amazing words. She said, I've been adopted, my name's written down, an heir to a mansion, a robe and a crown, a tent or a cottage, why should I care? They're building a palace for me over there. Though exiled from home, yet still I may sing. All glory to God. I'm a child of the King. Do you know, this is what John wants us to be thinking and reflecting on tonight, to be marveling at this evening, marveling at everything it means to be one of God's children. You know, many would say it was blasphemous to say these words tonight. Many would say, how dare we say that we could be called one of God's children. But this evening, John says, if we are trusting in Jesus, this is exactly who we are. A tent or a cottage, why should I care? All glory to God, I'm a child of the King. And so this evening, if that's who I am, well, next, John shows us how I, how I, how I should live. Or who I am informs how we live. So that's our second point, how we live. That's from verses four to the end of our passage. You see, in the second part, you might notice that John, he repeats a key theme all the way through. At verse six, he says, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him 
or known him. And then in verse nine, John says, no one born of God continues to sin. And then he says later on in that verse, they cannot go on sinning. It seems pretty clear here that John says a child of God, a Christian, is someone who doesn't sin. But maybe you're like me this evening, and it seems like you barely got beyond 9am this morning, and you managed to find some way of messing up, of failing, of recognising that there is an enormous brokenness within my heart. Was John saying that I'm not a Christian anymore? I thought John said earlier at the start of his uh, letter, at ch- chapter 1, verse 8, that if we said we were without sin, we deceived ourselves. What does John mean here? Well, do you know, John, he explains sin as lawlessness. If you look at verse four, do you know, one of my favorite films and stories growing up was Robin Hood. Uh, And Robin Hood, if you're familiar with the the story and the tale, is famous for being an outlaw, of being lawless, of living in rebellion against Prince John, who is seen as the, the tyrant king oppressing the people of the time. And Robin Hood, he became lawless. He was lawless because he didn't submit to the authority of the king. He acted in rebellion against the king. Now, do you know, we think of Robin Hood as a bit of a hero because he's, he's a good guy rebelling against a tyrant king. But you see, when John describes sin as lawlessness, it's anything but heroic. It's a willful rejection of being under the authority and the rule of a good king, of a loving king, of a king who we've seen already tonight, who wants us to to adopt us into his family, who loves us. And that lawlessness is a rejection of being under his authority, our king's authority, the God who has given us every breath, the God who has given us life. Lawlessness is rejecting being under our king's authority. And, you know, there are plenty of clues in our passage that this is what John means when he talks about continuing to sin. Do you know, there are hints throughout our passage that John reminds us of the Genesis story. In fact, taking us back to the Garden of Eden. You know, it mentions, he mentions the devil being the one who's been sinning from the beginning. And that could be sinning well, before creation, before anything was made. But the devil has also been the one sinning right since the beginning of creation, as he was leading Adam and Eve, deceiving them and leading them astray. He's been rebelling ever since the beginning of creation. John also mentions he uses language like God's seed. And again, that's language that reminds us of a promise that God makes right back at the start of Genesis, that that God was going to, through Eve's seed, through her offspring, he was going to bring about someone who was going to crush the head of the serpent, which is exactly what John explains in verse 8, that Jesus is the seed. He is the one who fulfills God's promise to destroy the works of the devil. That's what John says there. And if we really are wondering whether John has really got Genesis in his mind when he's talking here, well, literally in the next paragraph of our passage uh, of 1 John, he brings up the story of Cain and Abel. 
uh, in our next paragraph, recorded uh, a story that is recorded right at the start of Genesis. And it would kind of make sense that that was true, wasn't it? If that's what John is trying to point us back towards, because the story of Adam and Eve is a really good description of what sin really is. To refuse to live God's way and to live under our own authority. And Adam and Eve, right back in Genesis, they demonstrated that by listening to the devil's word rather than God's word. It was a willful rejection of God's authority in their lives because they wanted to listen to another voice, a voice that deep down they wanted to hear more than God's word to them. They listened to the wrong voice. And so when John says here in our passage, no one born of God continues to sin, what he says, John is talking about a willful rejection of God's authority and word in our lives. Ultimately, choosing to live our way and to trust in a voice that we like much better. And therefore, John says, if we live like that, well, he says we're not only not children of God, but he says that we're children of the devil. And we hear that and it seems so stark, doesn't it? But ultimately, what John means is, is we're doing exactly what the devil has been doing since the beginning rejecting and refusing to come under God's authority, to listen and obey his words. And therefore, ultimately, we share in his inheritance, an inheritance that is away from God, in hell rather than with God, facing God as our judge rather than our father. And so just like we know what family we belong to because we bear some resemblance to our parents, well, John says we know what family we resemble or we belong to in whose authority we choose to place ourselves under. And children of God place themselves under God's authority, choose to listen to God's word. We've stopped being Robin Hood's being outlaws where we're our own authority, where we do however we see fit. And rather, we've become children of God and we've placed ourselves under his authority, under his care. It's his voice that we listen to. It's his voice that we're seeking to shape and to govern our lives. That's what it means to not keep on sinning. We listen and we respond to God's words. And yet, do you know, we'll wake up tomorrow morning with a million voices competing for our attention. For the, from the moment that we wake up, all claiming to provide us with wisdom and direction and guidance for how we're to live our lives. But those who are God's children, well, they seek to, we seek to become deaf to the voices around and to tune into just one voice, our Father's voice. And ultimately knowing and hearing that voice as we seek and read his word. And, you know, there will be times, like all children, where we fail and we fall short and we stumble. And we haven't acted in a way that our father would want us to act. But, you know, in that, as God's children, let us remember 
what John also points us to, our serpent crusher, the Lord Jesus, who has destroyed the works of the devil, who John says has freed us to live as God's children, to be one of his children, to be free from condemnation, to be forgiven of everything that we've done or will do, and to have not a lost eternal inheritance, but to have an eternal inheritance that's full of life and is in the presence of God rather than away from God. And John says, trust, continue in knowing and trusting the Lord Jesus. Don't look away from him for a moment, because in him we've received everything tonight. Children of God with an eternal inheritance of life and glory to come. And this evening, if that's who we are, John says, well, that means how we live is as those who place ourselves under God's authority. We listen and we are shaped and governed by his word, our father in heaven, who loves us with an incredible love. Well, I hope that that's been an encouragement for us as we've gone through that passage and we'll hear more of one John next week 